0: What's up everybody, my name is Shane Kohler and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here where each week I'm sharing true to life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the living relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Conscious Love Show. As always, my name is Shane Kohler. I am your host. I'm very grateful to be here with you today. And the topic for today's episode is the spiritual process to manifest love. And what I really want to speak about in today's episode is how manifestation works, And manifestation is really about being deeply connected to your own energy. And I was just saying um, to those of you who are live with me on Instagram uh, before I started recording here, I was just saying that, you know, most of us have our energy very scattered. We're always reaching out in the world. We're reaching out for people. We're reaching out for things. We're reaching out for, you know, things that we think are going to make us feel better, things that we think are going to add something to us that are going to give us a sense of peace or control or security or power. But usually what most of us are doing when we reach for the things that we think are going to make us happier, what we're often doing is we're exhausting our energy. We're exhausting our creative power. And so a lot of us feel a sense of like hopelessness or desperation in our lives. And we think that we feel that because of the amount of rejection we've experienced or because of the amount of letdown or disappointment or because, you know, this person hurt me or, you know, my ex left me or, or whatever, right? We, there are all these external reasons that we think we feel a sense of hopelessness or a sense of desperation in our lives. But the truth is, it's, it's never about the external reasons. Yes, the external reasons are real and, and they do impact us. But those external things are usually a reflection of where we're coming from, right? If, if we're grieving a, a loss or a breakup, or we're pining over someone who isn't showing us attention or whatever it is, that is that is all showing up as a reflection of how you view yourself. And this is something I've spoken about many, many times, but the the world, life, can only show up as a reflection to your own identity and the way you view yourself. And the process of manifestation... And what I'm going to talk about today in terms of manifesting love, in terms of inviting in that ideal partnership, in terms of inviting in the kind of love that you've always been dreaming about, what I'm going to speak about today is not about how to, you know, kill it on the dating apps or how to, you know, say the right words or, or the perfect things that are going to make someone fall for you. Like that's, like those things don't work, okay? Like they really, they really don't. There may be some truth in them sometimes, But largely, if that's your whole strategy, if your whole strategy is based in what you can do, what you can say, what you can make happen by your own force or your own will, you're going to be left empty handed every time because we live in an energetic universe. You know, you are made of energy and the whole universe is made of energy. And the way energy works is what is of a like frequency is what will attract Right, so you are going to draw in everything into your life that is of a like fre- uh, of a like frequency to where you're operating from, and you are going to repel everything out of your life that is not a like frequency to what you're operating from. You know, some of you are. Some of you are chasing down a relationship, you know, that, that maybe isn't really offering you what you need or isn't fulfilling, but you're hanging on to it and you're clinging to it and you're hoping that something is going to change. And you've got to understand the reason you are focused on that person is because vibrationally you are a, I don't want to say this, it's like you're a vibrational match. But when I say that, I don't mean that you're a vibrational match in the sense that the two of you are perfect for each other and you're going to hook up and fall in love and live happily ever after. No, you're a vibrational match in the sense that you view yourself as someone of low value or you view yourself as someone who is desperate or you view yourself as someone who is lacking when it comes to love. And as a, as a result of that, as a result of that self-view, as a result of seeing yourself and relating to yourself in that way, what is going to happen is you are going to attract relationships around you that are going to reinforce that view. As long as you view yourself as someone who lacks worth, who is unlovable, and these are really strong words, right? And it might not even be that strong for you, right? It might not be, oh my God, I think I'm unworthy, or I think I'm unlovable. It might not be that strong. It might be something more like, I just don't believe this is going to happen. It seems too far away from me right? Like, like the idea of actually finding my person and somebody actually loving me and being devoted to me and showing up for me every day and giving me the kind of commitment that I really crave in my heart. That seems too far away. That seems like too much of a stretch. I cannot realistically see myself in that situation, right? And you might not think that that translates to low worth or not being lovable, But what's really operating underneath that belief, like if if you have a belief in your mind that says love feels so far away, that says, I just can't realistically see it happening. I can't realistically believe that that would happen for me. You might not think of that as translating to, I have low self-worth. But that is actually what's happening for you. Right, If it seems so far away that you can't touch it, that you can't reach it, that you can't get a hold of it, that it just it seems like an impossibility, that is a reflection of how you view yourself. That's a reflection of the identity that you carry. And that identity, simply put, is something, and it might vary a little bit person to person, but that identity is something around, I'm not worthy of love. Nobody will love me for who I am. I, I'm not lovable, I'm not desirable, I'm not wanted. Whatever it is that people are out there looking for in the world, I'm not that. right Whatever it is that somebody sees and and it makes them fall in love and it makes them want to be with someone, I'm not that. And as long as you view yourself in that way, you are going to attract relational situations and I, I say attract, for me the word attract and the word create are two different ways of saying the same thing. Okay, you could you could view it as I'm attracting it like I'm drawing it in. You could also view it as I'm creating it like I am I'm actually manifesting it. But it's it's two ways of saying the same thing, but what 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 you're really saying there is that life is showing up as a reflection to the way that I see myself. And if I see myself as not being the thing that people want, if I see myself as not being wanted or desirable or lovable or worthy of receiving love, what I'm going to create around me are manifestations of that identity. What's going to show up around me are people who reinforce that identity. And so you say, I've been trying so hard with this person. I've shown them all my gifts. I've shown up for them in the most amazing way. I've done everything for them. I've turned myself inside out. I've shown them everything I have to offer and they still don't love me. And they still don't want me. And, and you think that means there's something wrong with you. But no, there's nothing wrong with you. The fact is, is that you view yourself in a way in which you are willing to engage in relationships like that. In which you are willing to participate in relationships like that. And you do that because that's how you view yourself. You view yourself as someone who has no other options. If I ever want to find love, this is what I have to do. And what I really want to communicate in today's episode is the reversal of that. That manifesting love, this spiritual process to manifesting love that I'm going to speak about today, is not about what you do. It's about who you are. It's not about knowing exactly what to say that makes someone fall for you. It's not about having this perfect body and the perfect style and the perfect attitude. And it's not about that. It is about the quality and the, the energetic presence that you carry. And like I've often shared this and I'll share it now that, you know, when I met my wife and she would say the same thing about me is like, we were not each other's type. You know, like, if if you look at who she had dated in the past, who I had dated in the past, like, we were historically attracted to different kinds of people. You know, historically, we had 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 a type that we were looking for, and we would be looking for that type. And we were not each other's type. And yet, there was an incredible attraction between us. In fact, I, I think something that was attractive was the fact that You're not my type. And yet I still, despite the fact that you're not my type, I still have this incredible attraction to you. And that sparked a curiosity in both of us that we both had to say, like, what is this about? Right? What, like, what is this about? Because here's somebody who's not anything like people I've dated before. I normally don't go for people of this type. And yet here's this incredible attraction. And that sparked a curiosity that I just needed to find out what this person was all about and she felt the same way about me because on a physical level on the level of the programming we've received throughout our life on the level of historically what we had you know taught ourselves to be attracted to in terms of like superficial things we didn't fit that description but yet there was a quality of the presence that i had and that she had There was a a quality of the energy that we embodied that when I met her and she met me, something bigger than our superficial mental construct was happening there, right? Like there's a certain degree of programming you get when you're, when you're a little kid and you're looking at the grownups around you and, and maybe you start to be attracted to people who resemble your mother or your father, or maybe you start to be attracted to people who resemble other figures in your life. Right. And then, and then you see movies and television and, and you, you see all these, you get all these impressions throughout your life. And, and, you know, there's certain things in the media that are promoting, you're supposed to look like this and you're supposed to look like that. And, you know, you look at the cover of a magazine and there's a certain body type and there's a certain style and a certain dress code and all this stuff that we're all supposed to be like living into, right. According to our society. And that is very superficial, Right, That is the programming we receive. And what most people are doing is they're trying to be the best in this superficial nightmare that we all live in. And they're thinking that if I can be the best in this superficial nightmare, that will make me lovable. And you try harder and harder and harder and turn yourself inside out to continue to try to be the best within this superficial nightmare. And... The more you do that, and the harder you try, the less connected you become to your authentic value. You see, the more you try to compete in this rat race of trying to be the best looking and the smartest and the, most, you know, the, the best of everything, right? The best dressed and, and the, the most witty and, and all this stuff. The more you try to compete with that, the more you decrease your inherent value. And so manifestation is not about what you do. It's about who you are. And so what what I think the difference was when I met my wife and as I was sharing, there was this energetic quality that we both had that superseded our programming that superseded our conditioning that said, this is what I like and this is what I don't like. We had an experience of something with each other that was bigger than that. And so at that point, our historical programming didn't matter so much because it wasn't about the superficiality. It was about the heart level experience that I was having with this person and that she was having with me. And it awakened, as I said, a curiosity that that said, I need to know more. I need to find out what this person is all about because there is something happening here that is different from anything I've ever experienced in the past. And this is a power we all have. It's a power that we all have to become so embodied and connected to our own energy that we have a powerful energetic presence when we show up in relationship with someone. That they experience something from us that is different from anything they have ever experienced before. And they say, I want to know more of you. I want to explore this. I want to find out where this road, road leads because I'm seeing something in you that I've never seen before. And that is the process to manifesting love, right? Or, or I shouldn't say it's the process, that's how it happens. Now, now, let's talk about the process, right? So how do you get there? And, and I said earlier, most of us have our energy very scattered. Most of us, our energy is always going outward. It's always going out into the world. So it's going out into the person I like, or it's going out into the dating app, or it's going out into the clothing I buy, or the, or the style that I, I try to create, or it's going out into trying to make myself have the perfect body, or it's going into trying to learn, you know, new strategies that are going to get what I want. And I want to say like, this stuff isn't inherently bad, right? Like it's not bad to have good style. It's not bad to have a good body and to take care of it and to work out and, and things like that, right? It's not bad to be witty and intelligent and funny and have a sense of humor. Like these things are not bad. But what ends up happening is when you've, when you've decided on some level, that who you are is not enough. And so you're pursuing these things like, I'm going to the gym and working out to have the perfect body because I feel that who I am is not enough. And so I'm not going to the gym out of just an authentic self-love and a desire to care for myself and treat my body well. But I'm going to the gym to overcompensate for the fact that I feel that there's an emptiness in me. That's when it becomes destructive, right? It's not bad to learn and and to grow, right? Like to, I mean, that's what you're doing listening to this. So it's not bad to learn and to grow. But when you're trying to learn new things, to overcompensate for a feeling that I'm not enough and thinking that by learning this thing, it's going to somehow add something to me that I don't already have. That's where it becomes destructive. It's not bad to use dating apps. Dating apps can be a wonderful tool. But when you're obsessively hooked to the dating app to try, to try to force some kind of connection that you think is going to fulfill some kind of emptiness in you, that's when it becomes destructive. And so the external things of the world are not bad, but when you're disconnected from yourself, you don't know how to use them. And so they end up becoming weapons against yourself. And all it does is perpetuate the feeling of not being enough, the feeling of unworthiness, the feeling of hopelessness, the the thought that this is never going to happen, or it's impossible, or it's too far away. And so something you've got to start with is the willingness to let some things go. These things that you're clinging to for safety, And it might be a dating app. It might be going to the gym. It might be any number of these things, right? But the things that you're clinging to, to validate yourself, you've got to be willing to let those things go. Now, I'm not saying like if you have a workout routine, I'm not saying you need to stop working out, okay? But you do need to alter your relationship with it if your relationship is destructive. And maybe that looks like going less. Maybe it looks like cutting it back to three days a week instead of seven days a week and giving yourself some space in your life to actually enjoy your life. Giving yourself some space in your life to actually feel fulfilled rather than constantly forcing yourself to do more and more and more to overcompensate for the feeling of not being enough right? As long as you cling to, I'll call them band-aids, right? It's like, I feel like I'm not enough, but if I can get to the gym today, that just gives me a little boost to my confidence that's going to overcompensate for this feeling of emptiness, right? Well, that's not a solution. That's a band-aid. You know, I feel empty inside, but if I get on my dating apps and I just get a conversation going with someone, at least I feel like something is happening in my life. At least I feel like I'm interesting to someone even though that conversation never goes anywhere, even though it never turns into anything real, even though it never evolves into more, it's that hit of instant gratification that I can get right now to mitigate the feeling of hopelessness that's inside of me. And you've gotta be willing to let go of these Band-Aids. Because when you let go of the Band-Aids, when you let go of all the little things you're using to overcompensate for the feelings of inadequacy within yourself. What you're going to start to face up to is who you really are. You're going to start to face up to the reality of who you are. When I'm not adding anything to myself, when I'm not overcompensating for any feeling of inadequacy in me, I'm just literally facing up to who I am. You know, I remember when I was single and it's, it's funny because like I, I did not use dating apps. I just didn't. I found it, I found it perfectly adequate to go out in the world, do things I was passionate about. And I met lots and lots of people that way. And for me, I've shared this before, but like, I look back to when I was single, you know, there was a, there was a native American church that, um, that I got involved with and they had sweat lodges every other Monday night. And th- these sweat lodges would have like 20 to 30 people. And I would go, it was something like, it was something that like spoke to my heart so deeply. And I would go to the sweat lodge every other Monday night and I would meet amazing people. Men, women, I made friends, I went. I got dates that way. I, 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 would, I would invite people I knew and bring them there so they could meet people, right? And, and it was just, it was so fulfilling for me. And it wasn't about meeting someone. Meeting someone was a given, right? If I was gonna go there on a Monday night I was gonna meet people. That was a given, but I didn't go there to meet people. I went there to feed my soul. You know, I did a lot of yoga when I was single. I met people constantly. I actually took yoga teacher training twice and got two certifications. I'm a double certified yoga teacher and I don't even teach yoga. I did that because I was passionate about yoga and I wanted to go deeper into it. And I found a community I found close friendships. I mean, I would go to yoga on a Saturday morning and then 15 of us would go out to brunch afterwards. Men, women, everybody, like we would just all sit down and connect and we would have deep, rich, vulnerable conversations about life and about who we really are, right? About about the truth of us. We were connecting on an authentic level. You know, I, I was very into personal development, and I, I went to as many seminars and trainings as I could. And that's ultimately where I met my wife, right? I met, I met her through this training program I was involved in. And like, this was not difficult for me to do. This was not me forcing myself to go out to the club and, and hang out and, and try to like pick someone up there. This was me living the life that I loved. And it led me to everything that was right for me. And I, I did, I mean, there were, there were many other things I did. I, I, you know, if, if I got invited to a party, I would always say yes, because I love going to parties. I loved hanging out with my friends and connecting with people and playing games and doing stuff. And it was a great environment and a great way to meet people, right? So, you know, I would, I would always take opportunities to go out and meet people, I would always take opportunities to be social and to connect, especially with the kinds of people in the kinds of environments that I really enjoyed being in. But you know what I did a lot when I was single? Was I sat at home and read A Course in Miracles. Like home by myself, reading A Course in Miracles. That was how I spent a lot of my time as a single person. And, you know, maybe you don't read A Course in Miracles. Maybe for you, you read the Bible or you read the Quran or or you read, you know, Joe Dispenza or whatever, right? But but that was something that spoke to my soul. And I, I feel very blessed, and I feel very fortunate in this way because this wasn't necessarily something I was taught. This wasn't, I mean, and I, I think I was taught it in certain ways, in certain places, but, but to a large degree, it was something that was intuitive for me, and it was something that I just felt, was that, I will never do anything that exhausts my energy just because I think I have to do it to get something I want. Whatever I do, I will do it because it is authentically something I want to do. And I will trust that me doing that will lead me to everything that is right in my life. And that's something that I, you know, again, maybe I was taught that in some places to some degree, largely, I just developed it intuitively, but I just, for me, I just understood that, you know, the only, the only way I could ever really succeed in life, in love, in business, in in any domain, the only way I could really be successful, was if I really knew myself. And that became my priority above everything else. And I would see all the crazy stuff people were doing, and at the time I didn't even really understand. I would look at all the crazy stuff people were doing and I'd be like, I don't really get it. Why do they do this? Like it's not fun, it's it's exhausting, it doesn't feel good. And now I understand now, like now I understand why people do it. We do it because of the limiting beliefs we live under. We do it because we think we have to do it to get the life that we want. And we don't trust. We don't trust in the goodness of life, in the abundance of life. We don't trust in our own soul, in, in our own, in our own spiritual connection that guides us very directly to the things that are right for us, you know. I'll share the story. Um, when I I had met my wife before this, but this was the time when we we really connected. And and I probably have shared the story before, but but the way it worked was I was at um, I was working for this coaching company, and basically I was I was one of the top coaches. I was I was running a program that had thousands of people in it. And basically, I, I, my, my role was to manage this program. And we literally, we had like 10,000 graduates of this program. And at any given time, we probably had two to 300 people actively in, enrolled in the program. And I was running the program. That was my job. I was I was the manager of this program. And um, one of the teams I was managing was having a team brunch. And so I'm on like this chat thread where where this, you know, it's like there is a team, maybe 35 people or so. And I was managing this chat thread and, and I'm seeing, and, and they're all getting together for brunch. Like, Hey, we're going to this place. Who's going to be there. I usually didn't go to these things because I was, you know, I wasn't a student. I was a coach and, and I didn't always mingle with the students in that way. But for some reason that morning I was sitting on my couch. I'll never forget. I was sitting on my couch. It was actually the day after a hurricane, which was interesting. Um, but I was sitting on my couch. And I'm looking at this thread and I got this intuitive impulse to go to this brunch. Now, again, I didn't normally go to brunches. That's, that's not something I would, at least not with the students, right? Like, but, but I just got this impulse today, like maybe I should go. And so I decided to go. And that was where I met my wife. Again, I had met her before, but that was the first time we connected because she also decided to go that day. And if I had not followed that intuitive impulse, I would have missed that opportunity. But I had to be connected to myself enough to even receive the intuitive impulse. And I could not have been that connected if my energy was exhausted if I was busy pursuing things in my life that were not deeply meaningful to me, that were not reflections of my passion. And so there's got to be, you've got to create a kind of quiet inside of yourself. Like you've got to, you've got to develop the ability to block out the noise and it's hard because you open social media and there are people telling you, you need to do this and you need to do that. And and this is what you're doing wrong. And this is what you need to do to fix it. and I mean, even like my podcast might be doing that to some degree and I can acknowledge that, but I do my best to be authentic, but like you've got to, you've got to create a disconnect from that a little bit. You've got to create a quietness inside yourself where the noise of the world cannot affect you so much, where you can't be so triggered by the constant comparison. And am I living up to it? And is it going to happen for me? And what's wrong with me? And am I missing it? And all these impressions. And you've got to understand, like, there is a lot of interest in you not believing in yourself. There is a lot of interest in that because that's how Hollywood operates. That's how, I mean, all the, all the major corporations are basically surviving on people's feeling of unworthiness. Because we think we need them and the things they offer in order to be okay. There's a lot of interest in you being disempowered. And so when you look out in the world, you're going to constantly be getting messages that are selling you disempowerment. And you've got to find a quiet place inside yourself where you can't be affected by that. You've got to be able to disconnect from the noise of the world and get to know who you are when you're not... Measuring yourself up against all of that. Who are you without it? Just you. Without all the things you do to try to make yourself better than you are. Who are you, really, at the core? And if you create that space, if you create that spaciousness inside yourself, where there's a place you can go in my program. And when I work with my clients, I often say like you find a safe place inside of yourself where no matter what is happening in the world, where no matter what is happening in your life, you know that you can go there and you can find your peace. And you know, I've largely found this through meditation. That has been a big, big tool for me. I found it through a lot of the spiritual work I've done over the years. I found it through a lot of the healing and personal development work I've done. So, it's definitely for me been a journey of like chipping away the layers that that I had built up around myself that were disconnecting me from my truth. And and it's definitely been a journey of that. But what I find is when you create that space to just be with yourself, yourself will speak to you about who you are. I know that might sound like a strange sentence, but I want you to sit with that for a moment. When you can disconnect from the noise and you can give your, you can find that quiet inside where the noise and the chaos of the world is not affecting you. And you can learn to be comfortable sitting in that space. Who you are Yourself, your true self, your authentic self will speak to you about who you are. And you will begin to love yourself. You will begin to love yourself. You will begin to appreciate yourself. You will begin to see the gift that you are. You will be able to recognize the contribution that you are because what's really going to happen is you're going to, I mean, there's really no other way to say it. You're going to find the God self within. You're going to find the unconditional love that lives within you. And when, when that God self within you when that unconditional love that exists at the core of who you are starts speaking to you about who you are, it becomes very difficult to buy into all your limiting beliefs anymore. It becomes very difficult to buy into the chaos of the world The noise that says, you're not enough, and you need to do this, and you need to look this way, and you need to buy this purse, and you need to blah, 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 and all this stuff. It becomes very difficult to buy into that when you see the God self within. Because you start to feel that, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. I'm complete already. There's no emptiness inside of me that needs to be filled. There's no, there's no missing piece that needs to be completed. And then what starts to happen is you just start to love. You just start to love yourself. You start to love your life and you start to love everyone else. Yeah, I see Mona's comment. It's hard to be manipulated. It is hard to be manipulated. Nobody can manipulate you when you know who you are. People can only manipulate you when you don't know who you are. When you think you're something other than what you are. When you don't see that God self within. And you think you're some deprived, desperate, pathetic, lacking, lonely thing, that's when you can be manipulated. That's when people can promise you the moon and you'll buy it. Because you're disconnected from the truth that's inside of you. You're disconnected from the reality and the beauty that's inside of you. And so, manifestation is not about, like, let me put it this way. You don't manifest by doing more. You manifest by increasing your energetic presence. You manifest by raising your energy levels from a low level of desire and fear. Where, I'm, where I constantly fear that I'm not enough and I constantly desire things to make up for that fear. You elevate your level of energy from a level of desire and fear, which is a very low level of energy, to a level of acceptance and peace. A level where I accept myself, I accept life, I accept everything as it is, and it is okay. Okay. I am not broken and I don't need to be fixed. Life is not broken and it doesn't need to be fixed. There's nothing that needs to be corrected. All is well. All is good. As I was repairing, er, repairing, <laughs> as I was preparing for today's podcast, um, a story that came to mind for me was the story of Gandhi. And I don't know if many of you know the story of Gandhi, but it's it's a powerful story if you've ever heard of Gandhi's salt march. And Gandhi at the time, uh, if I mean, most of you probably know who Gandhi is. He was, he was the person who liberated India from British rule. And if you think of the power of one feeble old man, he couldn't even lift a heavy weight and yet he was able to liberate an entire country from one of the greatest empires in the world at the time. Now, how does that happen? How does one feeble little man liberate an entire country from one of the greatest empires in the world? It's one of the best examples of manifestation I've ever seen in my life. I didn't see it, but it's what I've ever heard about. And the story of Gandhi is really powerful because... The the oppressive rule of the British was really really bad in India. It, w- it was really I mean it was just it was horrible and and they were they were living in so much like suffering as a result of it. And what what the British had done to the Indians is they had started taxing them for salt. And now salt in, in India it's it's like it, it just washes up on the beach. You can go and pick up a rock of salt off the beach, and yet it was it had been. Uh, it had been made illegal to mine your own salt. You had; they were forced to buy salt from the British companies at a hefty tax. And the people, the, the Indians, they were so oppressed, and they were going to Gandhi, and they were saying, "Master, what do we do? Like, how can we, how can we fight this oppression? How can we free ourselves from this oppression?" And people were coming to Gandhi every day, and they were saying, "Master, tell us what to do. We need help." And he said, I don't know what to do. Let me pray on it. Let me meditate on it. And Gandhi sat in prayer and meditation for weeks, probably months. I don't know all the specific details of the story, so don't quote me on this. But I know that people were coming to him, and they were asking him, what do we do? And he said, I don't know. Let me pray on it. Let me meditate on it. And so here he is, praying and meditating for weeks, maybe months. And then finally, he has clarity about what he needs to do. And so what he did was he got up and he started marching. And he started marching towards the ocean. And it was something like 250 miles he had to march. And every day he was marching. And as he marched, he passed through towns. And every town he passed through, people followed the march. And it was like, again, something like 250 miles he had to march all the way to the ocean. And with each town he passed through, people were joining the march with him. And then he arrives finally at the beach and he has hundreds if not thousands of people behind him. And he's standing on the beach right in front of the British soldiers. And he walked down and he reached down and he picked up a rock of salt. And in that one single action, he challenged the entire British Empire. Just by one small, feeble old man picking up a rock of salt off of the beach, he challenged the entire British Empire. And that single action led to a nonviolent revolution. In where the Indians freed themselves from the impressive rule of the British. Now, what I want you to what I want you to get from that is that Gandhi could not have known that. He could not have known to take that action and what that action would create if he had not been deeply connected to himself. I think one of the most powerful parts of that story is that when people were coming to him and they were saying, Master, what do we do? He didn't just say, do this, do that in a very frantic way, creating frantic action with people. He said, I don't know what to do. I need to meditate. I need to go within. I need to be connected to that God self within, to that divine energy within me. And I need to let that tell me what to do. And it was through that that he was able to be inspired enough to know the action to take, the specific action that would free India from the rule of the British. And you might say, oh, Shane, that's Gandhi. That's, that's a revolution. That's, I mean, what does that have to do with me finding love? has everything to do. Because what he demonstrated in that was a power that we all have. Like, you've got to understand, if one feeble old man can overthrow the entire empire with a single action, you can definitely manifest love in your life. There's no doubt about it but you've got to tap into the same thing that he was tapping into that inspired him to take that action. I know that's a, I know that's a big conversation that we're having right now. But the principles are not any different. There's a line in A Course in Miracles, which is something I've spoken about many times, but I always, I always love this line because uh, you know, what, what A Course in Miracles really teaches is it teaches to have kind of this open relationship with spirit and to constantly turn to it for guidance and to ask spirit to direct your decisions and to in any situation ask, what should I do here? Tell me what to do here. And then to follow that guidance. And there's this line in A Course in Miracles that when I first read it, it blew my mind because I didn't think it could be this literal. And when I read this, I went, oh my God. And what it says, I'm paraphrasing here, but it says something to the effect of, if you need a coat, you should ask me where to get it. Because I know what coat would be perfect for you. I know what coat you would enjoy the most. I also know where you can find it most easily and at the best price. So there's no reason to not ask me where to find the coat Because you trying to find it on your own is just going to cause suffering. Now, like if you can really let that in, like for something as simple as finding a new coat, and if you could be led by spirit in even a simple decision like that, everything from buying a coat to freeing a country, and everything in between. This is how powerful you are when you're not distracted. This is how powerful you are when your energy is not being sucked out by this toxic world we live in. And it takes a strong person because when you try to go within yourself, when you try to connect to that God self within you, the first thing you're going to be confronted with are all the reasons not to. And you're going to be filled with fear. And and you're going to say, you're going to be like, well, I I need to do this. And, And there's this deadline at work and I need to get that done. And what about my kids? My kids need this. And, and like immediately the moment you try to disconnect from the outside world and go inside, the first thing you're going to see is your mind going insane, trying to take you out of yourself and into the world. And it's going to say, what about this? 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 And you're going to be filled with fear. The fear of missing out. The fear of not getting what you want. The fear of being deprived. The fear of missing out on something. The fear of running out of time. You're going to be filled with all these fears. And these fears are going to tell you, don't go within, go without. Going within is wasting your time. You're not going to find anything there. There's so much more you could be doing. And this is where you've got to develop a relationship with trust. This is where you've got to start to learn to trust that the most important thing you will ever do in your life is get to know yourself. It is more important than any relationship you will ever find. It is more important than any career you will ever have. I'm going to say this, this might be challenging for you. It is even more important than taking care of your kids. Now I'm not saying to neglect your kids, okay? Definitely take care of your kids. But what I'm saying is if you are not connected to yourself, you are going to damage your children as a parent. So on the list of priorities. It should even be above taking care of your kids because it's the only way that you will be the best parent you can be. It is the most important thing you will ever do in your life. And when you learn to do this, when you learn to have this deep connection to your truth and your authenticity, Again, the God self within, the love that's inside of you. When you have this, the world becomes your oyster. One, because you don't need anything from the world. You're not like, you know, people can market to you and they can be like, oh, buy this shirt, buy the, you you know, like, (laughs) and it just, it doesn't really affect you anymore because there's nothing inside of you that is craving anything. 90% of the time, I wear the same shirt every day. Hasn't prevented me from getting into a relationship. Hasn't prevented me from having a successful business. It's just, it's just, you know, I, I am more concerned with getting up every day and creating value in the world and being the most expressed version of myself than I am with what I'm wearing. And so most of the time I wear this shirt, black t-shirt, bought it at Target. And it's not that I can't afford nicer clothes. They just don't really appeal to me. And look, I have a whole closet of nice dress shirts that, you know, if I if I need to wear a suit, I have suits. If I you know, but but day to day, I'm not concerned about what I wear. I'm concerned about the value that I bring to my life. I'm concerned about showing up for my wife in a big way. I'm concerned about showing up for my puppy in a big way. I'm concerned about showing up for you in a big way. Because when I'm connected to the truth inside of my heart, that's what it tells me is important. And that's what I listen to. That's where I take direction from in my life. I don't take direction from what I see on social media or what I see on the news. I take direction from my own heart. And I let that guide me. I let that orchestrate my life. And look, there are things I want. I'm not free of desire, okay? Like, I want my podcast to 10 times, 20 times, 50 times in listenership. That's a dream of mine. You know, I want my Instagram audience to explode. I want my program to double, triple, quadruple in the number of students we're accommodating. Like, I want all of these things. But I'm not turning myself inside out, exhausting myself to get them or beating myself up going, why aren't they here yet? That's not what I'm doing. I am listening to the direction that my own heart gives me and trusting that that will lead me to everything that is right for me. Which actually brings me to another point I wanted to touch on today, is that most of us, when it comes to manifestation, we're trying to get what we want. You say, I want that person. How can I manifest a relationship with them? I want more money. How can I get it? I want a better job. How can I get it? That's not how real manifestation works. Because real manifestation is not about getting what you want. Real manifestation is about asking for what is in the highest good for the all for the everyone and recognizing that you are a part of that. Recognizing that you are part of the all. And if you pray for what is in the best interest of the all and the everyone, you will also receive what is in your best interest. But you've also got to recognize that you don't really know what's in your best interest. I don't know what's in my best interest. You know, I think, I think I want, you know, my, my subscribership on my podcast to 10, 10 X or 20 X, right? Like that's what I think I want. But the spirit inside of me says, no, everything is perfect where it is right now. And you're on a journey and the journey that you're on is teaching you something. And every step of this journey is vitally important because when you get to that point where your podcast is 10x or 20x, you're going to have cultivated something inside of yourself that is ready to receive that because you went on every step of the journey and you weren't trying to rush it. And it's the same thing when it comes to manifesting love. You know, you sit there going, I want this person so badly. Why don't they want me? What do I have to do to get them? That's the wrong thing to be saying to yourself. Because what you want to be saying to yourself is I want what is in the highest good for me and everyone, including that person. So if I am not that person's highest good, then I don't want the relationship with them. And if they are not my highest good, then I don't want the relationship with them. And if us being in relationship is not going to be the best thing for everyone else in the world, then I also don't want the relationship. And I'm also not relying on my ego, on my fear-based survival self to show me What is in the highest good for myself and everyone else? I'm not relying on my thinking mind to show me what that is. I'm relying on the guidance of my own heart to show me what that is. This, what I'm speaking about here, is a complete reversal of everything you've been taught in your life. You've been taught that you need to make goals. You need to set them. You need to work hard. You need to push it. You need to fight till the last minute. That's what you've been taught. But if that's how you think it's going to work for you, I would invite you to look out at the world and look at all the people who are doing that and ask yourself, are they happy? Like really, really sit with that. Are these people really fulfilled? You know, I I know a lot of people who make millions and millions of dollars and they're not fulfilled. They just live with the constant stress and anxiety of trying to hold together this machine they've built. And the fear that it's gonna fall apart, and always trying to anticipate, and always looking for who's trying to get them, and who's trying to sabotage their business, and all this, all the drama, and all the conflict, and all the chaos just to get their hands on some money. And I made a decision for myself a long time ago. And yeah, I wanna be a millionaire. I have every intention to create that in my life. That's one of my goals. But one, I'm not attached to it happening. If it doesn't happen, I'll be perfectly okay with it. Number two, I don't want it like that. I don't want it if it's going to cause suffering. I only want it if it's going to enable me to be a greater contribution to the world. And if, if that coming into my life is going to be the best thing for me and everyone else, then I want it. If it's not going to happen like that, I don't want it. And you see, most of us are throwing that out the window. We're saying, I don't care how it affects me or anyone else. I just want it. Even though that person is toxic, I still want them. Even though they're unhealthy for me, I still want them. Even though the relationship with this person is bringing out the worst in me and actually making me worse for everything and everyone else in my life, I still want it. And you've got to understand that kind of thinking does not come from your heart. It comes from your ego. You know, underneath everything I'm sharing today is the message that you are enough, you are immensely powerful you are worthy, you are lovable, you are gifted. Like what I want you to really get is there is a light inside of you that when you let that light out into the world, when you stop covering it up with all the stuff that you think is wrong with you and you let that light out into the world, you will have a magnetic presence The people you date will desire a relationship with you over people who might even be objectively more attractive based on superficial societal standards. You know, I've, I've coached a lot of men uh, over the years. And I've had several men come to me in, in a certain situation where they've been like a player for years. And they've, you know, basically had access to all different kinds of women, all different kinds of body types, all different kinds of looks. Like basically, you know, when it came to like romantic sexual relationships with women, they've basically had their pick anything they wanted for their whole life. And when they, when these men come to me, they're usually experiencing a point of deep emptiness. Because they've gotten everything they wanted from women their whole life. And they've just taken and taken and taken and taken. And I want this body type. I want that body type. I want a short girl. I want a tall girl. I want a thick girl. I want a skinny girl. And after all this time. And all these women that were desperate to be with them. They didn't fall in love with any of them. And no matter how much they took from all these women, they could never feel fulfilled inside themselves. They could never feel like they were enough. And then what ultimately happens is someone shows up in their life who's not the perfect model of attraction. Again, according to societal standards, which are bullshit, by the way. That's all a ruse. It's all a game to make you buy shit. It's all it is. Like, actually, let me just speak into that for a moment because this perfect body type or this perfect look that society presents us, one, is unattainable for most people. And what what very smart but manipulative people have done is they have presented a certain image of what you're supposed to be that is unattainable for most people. And they make you think you need to be that to be loved and to be worthy. And they cause you to exhaust yourself trying to become that all the while making a fortune on your efforts. Like this societal standard of attractiveness that we live with, it's bullshit. That's all it is. It is a manipulative game that has been strategically designed by very smart, but very manipulative people to make billions off of you. So going back to what I was saying about these men who, who come to me, what often happens for them is they end up falling in love and marrying someone who doesn't fit that perfect model of attraction. But what this person does is they embody a presence that makes this man feel loved in a way that he has never felt before. Who you are is enough. Who you are is enough. Manifestation is not about what you do. It's about who you are. And what I would invite for each of you listening to this right now, what I would invite is I would invite you to look at any area of your life where you are doing something that brings you no joy and you are doing it because you think you have to. I have to do this to survive. Some of you have spent years working a job that you hate because you think you have to do it to survive. Some of you are chasing down relationships that make you miserable because you think you have no other option to find love. Some of you are using dating apps that suck the life and the vitality and the joy out of you. And you are doing it because you think you have no other opportunities. And I would encourage all of you to drop all of that shit and start meditating instead. I know that's an insane claim I'm making right now. You tell me to quit my job and meditate instead? Well, honestly, I've done that. So I'm not telling you to do something I didn't do. I've quit jobs that were unfulfilling for me, and prayed and meditated on what I was supposed to be doing, and felt the fear that I wasn't gonna make rent and and how am I and what and I've I've lived that. And my courage to do that is what led me here. Married to the love of my life in a career that I'm passionate about. So look at your life and find out where where are the places in my life that I'm doing things that bring me no joy and I'm doing them because I think I have to. And I would challenge you to quit those things and start meditating instead. Start asking the deepest places in your heart. Start asking that God self within, show me what to do. Show me where to go. Show me what to say. Show me who to say it to. Let me get out of my rational, fear-based mind that needs to be in control of everything. And let me start praying to a higher source of wisdom instead. Let me start letting that part of myself make the decisions for my life. And I promise you, if you do that, you will be taken on a magical journey of love and abundance that will blow away anything you could imagine. I'm gonna end with this because, um, well, I'm gonna open up for some questions, but this will be the last thing I say on today's topic. You know, I've I've shared some of my story here, I, I don't know, you know, maybe you've heard some of it, maybe you haven't, but, um, you know, when I was, when I was a teenager, I got heavily addicted to drugs and I was doing cocaine and heroin and everything you can imagine. And, um, that led me to end end up being thrown in jail when I was 18 years old. And I did two years in jail. I was in jail from time. I was 18 till the time I was 20. Got out right before my 21st birthday. And it was a few days after my 21st birthday. I got out of jail. I partied a little bit. And then I was laying in bed one night and I was living in this little shack. It was a, it was a one bedroom studio. No, not, not a one bedroom. It was a one room studio. So it was just one room with a little kitchenette and a bathroom. And it was built into the back of this guy's house. I was paying $125 a week to live there. I was working in a phone sales room calling people selling ad space in a magazine. Like talk about soul crushing work. I just wanted to frickin' blow my brains out every day. Like it was, it was like one of the worst jobs I've ever had in my life. Cold calling people out of the phone book, trying to sell them ad space in a magazine. It was just blowing my brains out. And this was my life at the time. And I would, uh, I would go to work every day. I would walk about a mile to the bus stop. I would take the bus down to Delray beach where the office was. And then I would catch the bus home. I'd get high every night, pass out in my bed, get up and do it all over again. This is my life. Say a few months after I got out of jail, this is where I was living. This So what my life was. And I was laying in bed one night and I had what I can only describe as a spiritual experience, but I was, I was high. I, I had been, um, I won't get into all the details, but I was high and I was laying in my bed and, and I just, it was like, I had a vision. I can't really describe it in any other way, but it was like, it was like God spoke to me. And what I saw was I saw all my dreams playing out before me. I saw having a wife and family, living in a beautiful home, having an abundant career. I just, I saw it, like all of it playing out in front of me. I, I got to like literally witness it. And then after I had witnessed all of it, a voice spoke to me. And it said, if you don't change your life, you will never have any of this. Like, basically what it said to me was like, this is your chance right now to choose a different life for yourself. And if you don't make that choice, you are saying goodbye to all of this. Now, I don't know if it was God. I don't know if it was my imagination. I don't know what it was, but that was the experience I had. And the next day I decided to get sober. The next day after work, instead of catching the bus home, I walked a couple of miles in the opposite direction and I went to my first AA meeting and I got a sponsor. I went through the steps and I'm not even involved in AA anymore. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating for AA here. Although if you need help, it's a good place to go. But, but what I'm saying is I got a sponsor and I worked through the steps and the third step is to the third step is that I made a decision to turn my will in my life over to God as I understand Him or her. And I made that decision. In the deepest aspects of my heart, I made that decision. And Ever since that time, that decision has defined my life. After after I did that and I went through the steps, I spent the next two to three years sponsoring people in AA. And I sponsored probably upwards of 100 people. I spent hours working with these people. Every week, I would probably see three or four clients a week and they weren't even clients. They were sponsees, right? And this was all free of charge. And I would spend hours every single week, two to three hours a pop, three, four times a week, coaching these people, sponsoring these people, absolutely free of charge. While working a full-time job, I was cleaning swimming pools at the time. I was making $6 a swimming pool. My, my paycheck would come out to like somewhere between three 400 bucks a week. And I spent all my free time sponsoring people. And I did that for two to three years. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to brag. What I'm saying is that that is what my heart told me to do. And then somewhere in the midst of all of that, I met someone at an AA meeting that invited me to a seminar and I decided to go. And it was like within the next year, my my life was completely turned upside down. I I quit the job cleaning pools. I, uh, what, what was I going to say? I quit the job cleaning pools. I left the dead end relationship I was in. I, um... I started my own construction business and my coaching company. All of this happened within one year. Now, I've been two to three years working for three $400 a week, spending all my free time sponsoring people. And then I did this training and within a year, my complete life turned upside down. And the reason I'm sharing that is because that was not my plan that was the place I was guided to. And those two to three years when I was making hardly any money and spending all my free time coaching people for free, the two to three years that I was doing that was the time, I can only describe it as I was proving my dedication. I was proving my commitment. I wasn't out there chasing what I wanted in life. I was following the guidance of my heart. And after I had proven my dedication, after I had proven my commitment, I was invited to this training and my life was elevated. And it's just kept elevating ever since. It just gets better and better and better and better and better. But if I had kept chasing what I want, if I had never had that awakening when I decided to turn my life around and start living my life on a different basis, I would not have the life I have right now. So going back to the invitation I made earlier, let go of all the things you think you have to do And start listening to your heart. Start meditating. Start praying. Start connecting to that God self within you. To that intuitive place in your own soul that knows your path, that knows your journey, that knows where your right partner is. And it can get you there faster. Just like what I said earlier about the coat, right? Right? If you want a coat, you should ask me where to get it. Because I know what coat you would like the most. I know where you could get it at the best price, in the easiest way. You could say the same thing for love. If you want to find love, ask me where to get it. And I'm not saying me, Shane. I'm saying the me inside of you, the God self inside of you. If you want love, ask me where to find it. Because I know the path there. I know who the right partner for you would be. I know what growth you need to do to be ready for that relationship. Like, I, I know the whole thing. I can see it already. You know, life is, life is not that hard, actually. It's not that hard to manifest things. It's not that hard to create incredible abundance in your life. It's not that hard to find happiness, but we have been brought up in a system that does not promote. It does not promote life. It promotes death. And we have bought into that system and we couldn't have done it any differently because we didn't know any better. But as you grow in your awareness, And as you start to invite a greater possibility into your life, you can start to make different choices and you can start to live your life on a new foundation. And the more you live from your heart, the more you follow the guidance of that God self within, the more you will be naturally and joyfully led to everything that is right for you. But you can't believe what the world tells you. You've got to disconnect from the world and learn to hear the voice of your own heart and believe that and listen to that even when it tells you to do the the exact opposite of everything the world has told you to do. That is the spiritual process to manifest love and everything else in your life. And this will be the last thing I say. That God's self inside of you wants you to be deeply and truly loved. It wants you to have abundance in your life. It wants you to have all the beautiful things of life. It wants you to have that. And it is actually very sad when it watches you exhaust yourself chasing down roads that are never going to amount to anything. So, I'm going to I'm going to close with that. I want to open up for some questions now. Um Anybody who has questions, go ahead, drop them in the chat. And, uh, and I'll take as many as I can today. I have maybe 20, 30 minutes to, to take questions today. So go ahead. Um, if you have a question, drop it in the chat and I will get to it. So this question from Jadet one four five, she says, wow, I wish more people in similar situations would do the same. We can't help them. Can we, if they don't want to be helped? Well, No, you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. But what I'll say about this is you can't even know how to help someone unless you're deeply connected to your own truth. And the help that you think they need might not be the help they need. You know, like a lot of times when we say we want to help someone, we're focused on changing their behavior and making them behave or do the things that we think they should be doing. But you've got to recognize like that person is on a journey. And, and I'll tell you, like I shared about my drug addiction. I wouldn't change that for the world. Some of the richest life experience I ever got. I am I'm actually immensely grateful that I, that I got to experience drug addiction, that I got to experience being in jail. Like these, these were some huge gifts in my life. Now, I didn't necessarily think they were gifts at the time, but the wealth of life experience and and who I have become as a result of that experience is is incredible. And, you know, like my mom at the time is like, oh my God, my son's like, he's gone off the deep end. and Like my mom couldn't see that I was getting the experience I needed to become the person I was supposed to be. Like if I hadn't gone through all of that, I couldn't do the work I do, right? Like that, that, those experiences, like me going into those dark places and knowing what that's like and living that, that is what gave me the, like the ability I have to empathize with people who are in those dark places. And so when you look at someone and you say, oh, well, they need to be helped, well, maybe they don't need to be helped. Maybe they're on the journey that is perfect for them. You see, we can't sit here and say what someone else's journey should be like. What we can do is we can love people as they are. Okay. You're choosing drug addiction. You're choosing violence. You're, I mean, again, boundaries, right? And I always say this, it's so important when you, when I talk about loving everyone you love and you have boundaries. Right? If you're choosing violence, you have no space in my life. I love you, but I'm not going to be the recipient I'm not going to be the recipient of your violence. So if you choose that, you have no space in my life. And so, if someone is choosing that path, you can recognize that they are gaining the experience they need to learn whatever they need to learn. And you can love them. But it's not your job to change anyone. In fact, one of the biggest things that a lot of you are doing that is keeping love out of your life is trying to change someone into being who you think you need, they, they need to be in order to love you the way you want to be loved. Instead of recognizing they're not the person, let them go and go find someone who's more in alignment with you, right? You see, a lot of you are trying to fix people. People don't need to be fixed. It's not your job to fix anyone. It's your job to honor yourself. So it's a great question, Jadet. And, you know, I, I wish, you know, when I see people suffering, I too wish that they would make different choices. But I am aware enough to not try to deprive anybody of their suffering because suffering is a great teacher. You know, when my clients come to me, people who are in the Inspired Love program, which by the way, is starting tonight, excited about that, not much more to say about it, but I'm excited. We got a really awesome group and we're starting tonight. Um, But you know, people, when they come into the Inspired Love program or when they hire me for private coaching, they are coming to me because the suffering in their life has gotten to such a point where they realize that they need something to change in a real and meaningful way. And if someone were to deprive them of their suffering, they might not have gotten there so quickly. They might have spent a few more decades in it. So suffering is a really beautiful teacher. And when I see people suffering, yes, I I want to do what I can to alleviate that suffering. And I... I mean, that's why I do the work I do. Right. Like I'm literally here every week doing this podcast, showing up on Instagram, coaching my clients. Like I'm doing everything I can possibly do in my life to alleviate as much suffering as I possibly can. But I'm also letting people come to me when they want to relieve their suffering. I'm not going out and trying to find people. That was, that was one of the things that I, I struggled with in AA was that the people that I would work with there, they just really weren't committed. They were there because their parents made them go. They were there because the treatment center made them do it. They were there because they lived in a house and you know, to live in that house, they were required to have a sponsor. And it's actually one of the reasons I transitioned into coaching and got out of AA was because I just, I wanted to work with people who had a higher level of commitment. I wanted to work with people who were making this choice for themselves. And they could really experience change rather than trying to convince people to turn their lives around when all they wanted to do was go do drugs. And I mean, I'll be the first person to say if if like, if someone's struggling with sobriety, I'll be the first person to say like, look, if you're not done, go get done because there's nothing anybody can do to help you until you're done. And so, you know, it's a beautiful question. And I think we all want to help people not suffer, but going back to what you said, We can't help people who don't want to be helped, right? What we can do is, going back to the topic for today, we can become so connected to our own hearts and so connected to our own truth that we are guided into the places and people that we can be most helpful to, right? So, um, beautiful question, beautiful question. And uh, thank you so much for, for dropping that in here. Let's see, see what other questions we got. Um, so this question comes from Bellezima. She says, what are some good meditation tips that have worked for you? And I, I want to speak into this because um, as I shared earlier, meditation is probably the best way to practically do what I'm talking about. Right? So when I talk about getting in touch with yourself, Um, meditation is probably one of the best ways to do that. And meditation has evolved for me a lot over the years too. So I want to, I want to just say for beginners right now, because if you're, if you're new to meditation and you're just beginning with it, then it's going to be, it's going to be way harder (laughs) than, than somebody who's been doing it for a while, because what's going to happen when you try to meditate is you're going to feel like you're unable to sit still. You're unable to focus your mind is going to be pulling you in a million different directions and you're just, it's going to be very frustrating. It's, it's going to be like, it's just going to be challenging. Right. Um, And the reason that is, the reason that is, is because, um, what was I going to say? It's, it's because like, this is what's happening in your mind all the time, right? Like your, your mind. and, And I mean, like again, our world even even more so than it was before. Like now that we all have phones in our hands and we're all on social media, it's like we are getting bombarded with information constantly. It's just like everywhere you go, boom 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 boom. Some people get up in the morning and turn the TV on and it's like first thing in the morning they have the news on. I'm like, are you trying to die? Like are you just trying to be depressed? Like why in the world would you do that to yourself? And yet people do it every morning, get up first thing, turn on the news. It's like there's not a worse thing you could introduce into your consciousness first thing in the morning but people do it. And so this is the world we live in and we are constantly bombarded with information and our minds are constantly being directed in this way and that way and the other way. And we're like, everybody's vying for our attention. And so when you try to meditate, what's going to happen is the first thing is you're just going to, you're going to see like you sit down, you sit still, you sit in meditation, you close your eyes, you start trying to take deep breaths. And the first thing you're going to see is your mind going in a million different directions. It's going to be like, you can't meditate. You need to do this. And what are you doing? This is a waste of time. And oh, this is bullshit anyway. And it doesn't work. And uh oh. And there's so many more important things. And oh, it's just it's going to be incessant, right? And so there's going to be a period when you start meditating of just getting through that. Right? Just just being okay with your busy mind and not reacting to it. And if you're in such a habit of reacting to your mind all the time, it's gonna be challenging. So, for beginners, this is what I recommend five minutes every day. Don't try to do more. People, people try to start with 15 minutes, they do it for two days and then they quit. Start with five minutes a day, don't try to do more. Now, for a lot of you, five minutes is probably gonna feel like an hour. That's okay. Use a timer. Because using a timer is going to take it so you don't have to check the clock and go, like, how much time has passed, right? I always say this. I say, use a timer. And then people go, I tried it, and it was hard. And I go, did you use a timer? And they go, no. And I'm like, why the fuck didn't you use a timer? I told you to use a timer. Like, use a timer, people, Okay. (laughs) Like, I don't know why people don't take that suggestion. It literally makes it 100 times easier, Okay. So use a timer. Set it for five minutes. Then all you have to do is find a comfortable place to sit. You can sit cross-legged, you can put your feet on the floor, it doesn't matter, but just set the timer for five minutes, find a comfortable place to see to sit, try to keep your back erect. You know, having a, a straight spine is is important. That that helps with the flow of energy and the flow of your breath. And then all, all you've got to do is close your eyes, sit quietly. You can just have your hands in your lap or on your knees and you just simply take long deep breaths in long deep breaths out and just try to follow your breath follow the breath in follow the breath out follow the breath in follow the breath out it's all you have to do it is it is literally the most simple thing you will ever do in your life but what's going to happen is you're going to try to follow your breath and you're going to get caught up in thoughts and thoughts are going to pull you this way and that way and the other way right so When you see that happening, don't get frustrated by it. Don't beat yourself up for it. Don't go, Oh my God, I try to meditate and all I do is think like you and everyone else in the world. Okay. It's okay. The practice is not to change that. The practice is to surrender to that, become okay with it. Start to observe your thoughts, right? And then what's going to happen as you start to settle into this is you will start to get comfortable with the five minutes. Now, if you did this every day for 30 days, you would probably start to feel comfortable with five minutes. At that point, you could increase it to 10 minutes. You could increase it to 15 minutes. Um, that's, that's just a very simple, basic practice that anyone can start with. When I started meditating, that was the exact direction I was given. Um, so I'm giving you the exact same direction that I was given when I started meditating. Now, as you again, as you get more comfortable with it, you will, you will start to be able to do it for longer. You will start to feel more peace around it. The space between yourself and your thoughts will get greater, right? So, So you'll start to feel yourself here and you'll be aware of your thoughts, but they'll seem a little farther away. They won't have so much control over you. They won't grab your attention so intensely. It'll just be kind of like, I'm over here in my center of peace. And my thoughts are over there and they're just busy doing their thing, but I'm not, I'm not wrapped up in them, right? I'm here in my center of peace. My thoughts are over there. They're just kind of like a machine that's always running, right? But you don't have to identify or attach to them. You can just create some space between yourself and your thoughts. Okay. So that's, that's how I would start. Now, another resource, I always recommend it's the same one I use. It's called insight timer. This is a, an app that it's free to download um, it has a meditation timer in it. So you also have a timer on your phone, but this one has cool like bells and things that, you know, are a little holier <laughs> it's like, in, instead of going, bup, 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 it'll go. Bung. So, you know, that when I'm coming out of meditation, I would rather hear like, Bung, than bup, 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 right. So that's one thing the timer helps with. Um, there are also a lot of great resources here. So there are meditation classes. There are, um, there are just workshops and guided meditations and different kinds of teachers. Like this app just has so many resources. And by the way, I'm not getting paid to share this. I just, I'm sharing it because I use it and I love it. Um, so for anyone who's new and starting, start with five minutes, download Insight Timer, try to just start a practice first thing in the morning before you do anything else, meditate for five minutes. It'll be hard for the first 30 days, it'll get easier after that. Um, Uh, The the other thing I would say is practice with different kinds of guided meditations. And there are millions of them out there. Insight Timer has thousands and thousands for you to explore. Um, Go on YouTube. I mean, there are thousands of guided meditations on YouTube. You can do meditations around love, meditations around abundance, meditations around anything you can imagine. So I I would say start your five-minute practice daily. And you could do that silently or just with some soft music in the background, but no words. And then, as you as you get comfortable with that, start start to explore with more guidance uh, guided meditations, um, and and just you know start to start to explore more from there. So that's a beautiful question, Belizima, and and thank you for dropping that in. I love that. Um, I want to jump down to. I just I love this comment. Um, Holden Phillips says this. I'm a working medium. It has taken me 64 years to be in the place you described and you have put it in words so honestly with integrity. Thank you. That's beautiful share. And I'm I'm just so grateful you found that for yourself. It's really, really amazing. Um, okay. I want to take this question. This is from Nish Makaria. And she says, what you said about the men and they end up with the one they least expected. Why is that? It's a great question. And and I really actually do want to speak into this. Um, If you remember, uh, some of you may have been with me. Some of you may have just jumped on. But um, earlier I was speaking about some men that I've coached in the past. And these are men who historically have been like a player. And, you know, they've, they've had access to like all the most beautiful women they wanted, all different body types, like whatever. And, you know, they've just... They've been able to do that in their life and, um, and they've lived that life. And then what ultimately happens to them is, is after many years of this kind of lifestyle, they just feel like a deprivation and an emptiness inside because they've spent their whole life taking and taking and taking, and it's just left them completely empty. And what I said is like, when these men start to do healing work, even though throughout their life, they've, you know, had access to, you know, the most, uh, in terms of like societal attraction standards, they've had access to like, you know, the most, I I struggle to say this because I don't want to make it sound like one body type is better than another, but we live in a culture that promotes that idea. Right. And so these men have been, these men have been immersed in that culture. They have, they have, you know, taken that on as their truth. And so when they're out looking for women, they're looking for women who fit that certain body type, that certain image, that certain look, whatever that might be. And it might vary. You know, some of them might be into blondes. Some of them might be into brunettes. And, you know, so I'm not saying there's only one type, but I'm just saying what I had shared earlier was that a lot of these men, after they do the healing work, they'll often end up with someone who is not, you know, that perfect look that they've gone for their whole life. And so the question is, why is that, right? Why do these men who throughout their life have been able to have, you know, any woman they want, why do they ultimately end up with someone who doesn't fit that description? And the reason that is, is because once you heal, it's not about that anymore. It's not about that anymore. And I, I, I started out this podcast by saying that when I met my wife and she met me, we were not each other's type. And, you know, I wouldn't say like that either of us were unattractive. I, I think we're both fairly good looking people. I do say so myself, but <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, actually not kidding, but whatever. Um, but I, I, but we weren't each other's type, right? Like she had gone for very different men. Historically, I'd gone for very different women. And when we met each other, there was, there was an experience we had with each other that it was like we were connected to something that, superseded our programming. It it superseded, you know, what we had thought we wanted on a rational or logical level. We were experiencing something in the relationship that was big enough that it was, that that didn't matter so much anymore, right? And I remember like, I think we both struggled with this a little bit because we were like, this wasn't what we thought it would look like. And yet at a heart level, it was like, it was like, this is what I want. Right. So it, it didn't matter that consciously we didn't think that's what it would look like. We were connected to something deeper. And I would say my wife and I are both people that have done a lot of inner work. So we had the ability to be connected to that. I think what happens for a lot of people is you'll have that person show up for you or even even you'll have many different people show up for you that are th- where that possibility is there. Right. But you're, you're so you're living so much in your programming and your historical context of what you've been chasing your whole life. And you're disconnected from yourself enough that even when you experience that with someone, you're like, yeah, I kind of like them, but you just can't let it in because you're so attached to the programming you've received. And I've said this for years. I've said this to many of my clients is like, when you meet the person, it's probably not going to look the way you think it's supposed to look. And that's, I think it's kind of the cosmic, one of the cosmic jokes of the universe is like, you know, it, it can't be that way. Because, because that's part of the lesson. That's part of the teaching, right? Is like, it's not about gratifying your ego. It's about being connected to something deeper. And many of us, the majority of us i would say especially on planet earth the the majority of us are so much in our egos that we we like we might feel that heart connection we might feel like i like you you're a good person i, I see your good qualities but we're so much in our ego that we just cannot allow ourselves to accept that and so to answer the question, like the reason why is because one, these men have, have recognized that any amount of chasing women does not fulfill them. Right. They, they've reached a point of like desperation where, you you know, I've said this before where it's like, it's almost better to not get what you want sometimes Because at least then you have the hope that when you get what you want, it'll make you happy. But when you've been able to get everything you want for your whole life and it hasn't brought you happiness, that's when you're in a really confusing place. That's when you're in a really confusing place because now you're like, I've gotten everything I wanted my whole life. I've just taken and taken and taken and I'm empty. And, you know, hopefully when you reach that place, you're in a point where you're ready to to do some healing and you're ready to, you know, really find out the truth about what you want on a heart level. But if you're not in that place, you might just kill yourself at that point because you feel like life is just empty and meaningless. and, And like, no matter what I do, I'm unhappy. Right. So hopefully at that point, you're ready to heal. And so the reason the reason these men might end up with someone who doesn't look the way they expected is the same reason my wife and I ended up with someone that we didn't wasn't the way we expected, right? It's because we were connected to something bigger than that. And so the fact that we're the same height wasn't that big of a deal. You know, my wife always thought she'd be with someone taller than her. I always thought I'd be with someone shorter than me. Turns out we're the same height. But when you're experiencing what we were experiencing, it wasn't that big of a deal. Oh, turns out my wife just jumped on. Hi, babe. (laughs) So that's, I, I think the heart is going to lead you to what is right for you. The mind is going to lead you to what it thinks it needs to survive. Like, if you really get that, the heart will lead you to what is right for you, to what is true for you, to what is deeply fulfilling. The mind is going to lead you to what it thinks you need to survive. So I need to be with someone who looks a certain way because I want my family to approve and I want my friends to approve. And when we go out on dates, I want everyone to look at us and think we're the hottest couple in town, right? That's what the mind is going to tell you. And the mind is going to tell you, you need that. And then you might have people in your life who could offer you true, authentic love and you won't accept it because on the surface, they don't look the way you think they're supposed to. And then you go chase down another toxic nightmare. And then you beat yourself up and go, why aren't I enough? Why don't they love me? I've done everything. Why don't they want me? Meanwhile, there were these people who wanted you, but you walked away from them because they didn't fit into your perfect model of how you thought it was all supposed to look. And like, this is, this is the way, this is, this is, this is the way of, of growth. And, you know, I want to say like some of you might get a little confused about this because you might think I'm talking about attraction and I'm not talking about attraction. Okay. I was very attracted to my wife. She was very attracted to me. You know, in our first few months dating, we hardly left the bedroom. Okay. There was a lot of attraction there, but the superficial, standard of how we thought it was supposed to look based on our past, based on our history. That was what didn't matter so much. You see, attraction is an experience. And what, what I often find is when people heal, they, they actually become attracted to a lot more people because they're not judging people so harshly based on superficial standards right? When, when people are healed, they start looking beyond that and they start to see human beings for who they are rather than critically judging people based on the standard of who I think a man is supposed to be or who I think a woman is supposed to be. Right? It's like, it's like you see the person's heart and their heart starts to speak to you. And, and so the attraction is there. And the attraction is real. But your mind is just freaking out a little bit because you're going like, I thought it was going to look different. Why does it look like this? Well, it looks like this because you're connected to something bigger than your ego. It looks like this because you're connected to love. You're connected to the love that's inside of you. And therefore, you can see the love that's inside of someone else. And so you know, going back to the question, that's why it's because these men start living their life on a different basis. And I'll say, it's not just men, women very much do the same thing. Women very much do the same thing. You know, it's interesting. And I'll just, I'll say this quickly. I'm going to wrap up here in a moment, but I'll say this quickly because Um, what, what was, what was I going to say? Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been when it comes to women who are seeking a relationship with men, there's a certain type of man that has been presented to us in movies. It's so funny. Like if you look at Disney movies, I call, I call it um I call it the Ryan Gosling look. <laughs> and um, I've spoken about this before. It's been a while since I've talked about this, but I call it the Ryan Gosling look. And and again, like you know, Ryan Gosling is like kind of blonde and white. So there's also there's also like a black version of it. And I'm sure there's an Indian version of it. And I'm sure there's, you know, an Asian version of it. Right. So it's not, it's not, it's not the only only the Ryan Gosling look. But I thought it was really funny when I realized this. Like if you look at Disney movies, especially the old Disney movies, like the one from when I was a kid, like Snow White and things like that. And you look at the Prince Charming in those Disney movies, he's like a cartoon version of Ryan Gosling. And <laughs> and this whole this whole like look of what a man is supposed to look like has been impressed throughout our entire lives. And what's really interesting are the men who have this look are primed to become narcissists because basically their entire life they've had women falling all over themselves to be with them. And because because it was so easy for these men to have relationships with women in any way that they want them, they never learned respect. They never learned honor. They never learned, like, appreciation and kindness. Right? They, they never learned that. And and so it, it's so interesting that these, these men who fit this look that you've been programmed your whole life to think that's how men are supposed to look. Well, that man has had women falling all over themselves to be with him his whole life. And that, that in itself has primed him to become narcissistic. And often men who don't have that look are the men who are really living from their heart, are the men who really want to love you and love you in a, in a true way. And I'm not, please don't hear me saying every man who has that look is a narcissist. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Every person is individual and unique. I know some men who look a lot like that and they are really incredible men. But what I'm saying is you can't just, you can't just go for someone based on how they look, right? You've got to be able to feel into that person's heart And you've got to be able to feel if what is coming from that person is love or not. And and some of you might say, well, Shane, I'm just attracted to that look. Like, what do I do? I'm attracted to that look. That's all I'm attracted to. Well, what I would say is that's all happening in your programming. That's just your historical context from from when you were watching Disney movies as a little kid and then, you know, all the way growing up and and watching romantic comedies and and it's all this it's the same story told over and over and over again. But that's just all your programming. If you say I'm only attracted to people who look like that, well that's that's your programming that says that. And that's okay. I'm not I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We all have that to a degree. You know, for for women it's like the Ryan Gosling thing and for men it's like the South Beach blonde with the big boobs and, you know, but like it's uh, again, it's It's all programming. And when you can, when you can drop below your own programming and start to live your life from a heartfelt context of love, what you're going to find is, is your one, you might meet that person who has that look that you've always adored. But when you feel the quality of love that is coming from their heart, you feel there's a toxicity in it. You feel there's like a selfishness in it or an entitlement or like a, like a I'm better than you feeling. And even though this person has the look that you've always adored, you go, that feels gross to me. It's like, oh, right? That doesn't feel good. But if you're living in your programming, you're not going to feel that. You're just going to be like, "Oh, this is this is everything this person I've always been looking for, here they are." Right? But when you when you're connected to your heart, you're going to feel the quality of their heart. And then that's what that's what happened again going back to what I shared about when I met my wife. It's like that's what happened was, you know, we both were on the surface on a superficial level, we were kind of looking for something different. But when we met each other, there was a, there was a quality that was shared between our hearts where it's like, we sat around and talked about Jesus all night. The first time we hung out and we're both like, we both love Jesus and we're not even Christians. like, go figure. Right. It's like, it's like, how perfect is that? (laughs) And so there's a, there was something that was shared on a heart level between us where it's like. I don't often meet someone like you and how you look really doesn't matter that much when we can sit and talk about Jesus till 2 a.m. I've never met anyone I could sit and talk about Jesus with until 2 a.m. Right? Like she was speaking to my heart and I was speaking to her heart and so the superficial stuff didn't matter so much. But again, before we could even be available to that we had to connect to our own hearts because there were many years that she was chasing around relationships that were toxic and destructive for her there were many years when i was chasing around relationships that were toxic and destructive for me and that was that was something that we both had to heal before we were ready to receive love into our lives. And so the message for today in closing, and I'm going to close it out with this. The message for today is that, one, you are enough. You don't need to turn yourself inside out. You don't need to be more than you are. You, like, you don't, like you are enough. And the way to manifest love is not through what you do, but it's through who you are. So stop living your life in a way that shuts down your authenticity. Stop living your life in a way where you do things that don't bring you joy because you think you have to do them. Trust yourself enough To live through joy, to live through passion, to be yourself fully. Listen to the guidance of your own heart. Like I shared about in that story of Gandhi earlier, like listen to the guidance in your own heart. It knows what you want on the deepest levels. It knows what will fulfill you in the truest ways. It knows where to find that. It knows how to find that it will get you there faster and with less pain and less suffering. Live through your heart. Be guided through your heart. Trust your heart. Trust your passion. Trust your joy. And the rest will take care of itself. All right. Sending so much love to everyone. It's been a great chat today. Um, Really really enjoyed being with you all. And um, for those of you with me live, thank you for joining live. Those of you on the podcast, thank you for tuning in. Sending you so much love, so much love. And we'll see you back here next Tuesday. All right, everybody, much love, many blessings. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the living relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.